Ladi daddy. I like the motherfucking party. I fucking hate everybody. But I don't, but I do. There was an old woman. She lived in a shoe. She hated everybody. I don't hate everybody, but I wish I did. I really wish I did. <laughs> Everybody's offline. I guess I'm just gonna have to drink a shit ton of wine. Oh yeah, get real crunk and real drunk. Maybe I will fucking kill everyone in the world. Sometimes I want to. Sometimes I got to. Because everybody sucks balls. Hey.
Get an in transfer sent to you. Can I? Uh, I have no bank card. <laughs> I know me either. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is my last one here. Yeah, I
Is Canada allowing youth in for people with mental health? This is the top result. I'm gonna die. Made with Canada's. There's this thing called Made. I'm going to get me. And die like a good, good girl. I need to die. I want to die. All I need to do is die. I think it only fair that you let me. If there was a God, I would be dead. Dead. Dead.
Hello. Call in. In Canada, on March 2023, they are legalizing euthanasia for the mentally ill. What do you think about this? They are going to legal. I'm going to try to get it. Assisted death for the mentally ill. And I have three of the conditions. They say, well, be allowed for assisted death. So like, man, I should get it for sure. And I am going to, if I can. Why breathe the air? I'm not fucking worthy of. Oh, hello. Why is it limited? I want you to call in, people. Call in. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know how to fucking make it. Let's, let me deep. Okay, let me see. Public. Okay, you guys can call in now. Go ahead. It says three people are here, but like, I don't see y'all. Call in though. I just read an article about Canada, which is the country I live in. And on March 2023, they are legalizing assisted death for the mentally ill. Now, if you'd like to hear more about that, I am about to read an article that I have found on it. So, maybe everybody... This is by the National Post. And... Um, let me just bring it up here. Canada Canada will soon offer doctor-assisted death to the mentally ill who should be eligible. Canada is still determining who should be eligible for MAID for mental illness, but experts say it could become the most pers permissive jurisdiction in the world. It will be one of the few nations in the world allowing medical aid in dying for MAID for people whose sole underlying condition is depression, bipolar disorder, personality disorders, schizophrenia, PTSD, or any other mental affliction. Most people who seek a doctor's help to die are suffering or dying already of a disease like cancer. With terminal cancer, there is something inside the body that can be seen, says Dutch psychiatrist Dr. Cisco Van Veen. Tumors and tissues that can be measured or scanned or punctured to identify the cells inside and help guide prognosis. You can't see depression on a scan, with the exception of dementia, where imaging can show structural brain changes. In psychiatry, really all you have is the patient's story and what you see in their eyes and what you hear and what the family might tell you, says Van Veen. Most mental disorders lack prognostic predictability, which means determining when psychiatric suffering has become irremediable, essentially incurable, particularly challenging. Some say practically impossible, which is why Van Veen says Difficult conversations are ahead as Canada moves closer to legalizing doctor-assisted deaths for people with mental illness whose psychological pain has become unbearable to them. One year from now, in March 2023, Canada will become one of the few nations in the world allowing medical aid in dying 
or made for people whose sole underlying condition is depression, bipolar, personality disorder, schizophrenia, PTSD, or any other mental affliction. In the Netherlands, made for irredeemable psychiatric suffering has been regulated by law since 2002. And a new study by Van Veen and colleagues underscores just how complicated it can be. How do you define grievous and irredeemable or irremediable? I need somebody to help me. How do you say that? Irremediable. Damn. In psychiatry. Is it possible to conclude with any certainty or confidence that a mental illness has no prospect of ever improving? What has been done? What has been tried? And is it enough? I think there's going to be lots of uncertainty about how to apply this in March 2023, says Dr. Brianne Nielsen, past president of the Canadian Psychiatric Association and a Halifax forensic psychiatrist. My hope is that psychiatrists will move cautiously and carefully to make sure MAID is not being used as something instead of equitable access to good care. In the medical health field, opinions are deeply divided. Mental illness is never irremediable, one side argues. There's always hope for a cure, always something more to be tried, and a person's ability to think rationally to seek an assisted death when they might have a life expectancy of decades can't help being clouded by the very fact that they're struggling psychologically. In psychiatry, really, all you have is the patient's story and what you see with your eyes and what you hear and what the family tells you. Others argue that despite well-meaning Bell Let's Talk days, there still exists a profound lack of understanding about and fear of mental illness, and that their resistance reflects a long history of paternalism and unwillingness to accept that the suffering that can come from mental illness can be as equally tormenting as the suffering from physical pain. Sometime in April, an expert panel struck by the Liberal government to propose recommended protocols for MAID for mental illness while present its report to the government. A joint parliamentary committee studying the new MAID law has been given a mandate to report back by June 23rd. The expert panel's chair declined an interview request, but her 12-member assembly has been tasked with setting out proposed perimeters for how people with mental illness should be assessed for and if found eligible, provided with made, not whether they should be eligible. Those who know the literature will say the panel has likely looked long and hard at several questions. Must the person seeking a doctor-assisted death have tried all possible evidence-based treatments, all reasonable treatments, at least some of the treatments? How long should the reflection period be, the time between the first assessment and provision of death? Should cases of MAID for mental illness require approval from an oversight committee or tribunal, the way abortions in this country once had to be deemed medically necessary by a three-doctor therapeutic abortion committee before abortion was decriminalized more than three decades ago? The idea that mental illness might make someone eligible for state-sanctioned assisted death had long been forbidden ground in the Canadians' euthanasia debate, and the path from there to here has been a convoluted one. 
Canada's High Court ruled in 2015 that an absolute prohibition on doctor-assisted dying violated the charter that competent adults suffering a grievous and irremediable medical condition causing intolerable physical or psychological suffering had a constitutional right to medically hastened death. That decision formed the impetus for Canada's made law, Bill C-14, which allowed for assisted dying in cases where natural death was reasonably foreseeable. In 2019, a Quebec Superior Court justice ruled the reasonably foreseeable death restriction unconstitutional and that people who are intolerably suffering but not immediately dying still had a constitutional right to be eligible for euthanasia. In March 2021, Bill C-7 was passed that made changes to the eligibility criteria. Gone is the reasonably foreseeable criterion, and as of March 17, 2023, when a two-year sunset clause expires, made will be expanded to competent adults whose sole underlying condition is a mental illness. Already, the removal of imminent death has made made requests far more complex. These are known as track two requests. At least 90 days must pass between the first assessment and administration of made. Most involve chronic, unrelenting physical pain, nerve impingement, significant muscle spasms, neuropathic pain, chronic headaches. Ottawa made providers have received roughly 80 track two requests over the past year. I think we've had only two of those proceed said Dr. Varenake, medical director of the MAID program for the greater Ottawa area. Of the 30 providers within the Ottawa program, only four are willing to see track two patients. And Naik says he's probably going to lose two more of them. Many are conflicted when people aren't close to dying. Making sure that they're not requesting MAID because they're vulnerable in any way has also been quite a challenge. If I take that mental health, I think those issues are only going to compound. The expert panel has been instructed to recommend safeguards for Dr. Snow Gained, the past president of the Canadian Psychiatric Association, the most fundamental safeguard has already been bypassed because there is no scientific evidence, he says, that doctors can predict when a mental illness will be irremediable. Everything else goes out the window. Gained isn't a conscientious objector to MAID. He's the physician chair of the MAID team at Humber River Hospital in Toronto, where he's chief of psychiatry. He works with cancer patients. He's seen the positive, the value that MAID can bring. But unlike cancer or progressive neurodegenerative diseases like ALS, we don't understand the fundamental underlying biology causing most major mental illnesses. We identify them through the clustering of various symptoms. We try to target treatments as best we can, but the reality is we don't understand what's going on on a fundamental biological level. Unlike the vast majority of these other predictable conditions, without understanding the biological underpinnings, what do you base your predictions on? 
he asks. He's heard the argument that it's difficult to make firm predictions about anything in medicine. But there's a world of difference between the degree of uncertainty between advanced cancers and mental illnesses like depression, he argues. There's no doubt that mental illnesses lead to grievous suffering. Trust me, I know this, guys. As grievous, even more grievous in some cases than other illnesses. It's the irremediable part that our framework also requires and that scientifically cannot be met. That we cannot do. That's the problem. Euthanasia for mental illness has, in fact, already occurred in Canada. Testifying before a Senate committee studying Bill C-7 last year, Vancouver psychiatrist Derek Smith told the story of EF, a 58-year-old woman who suffered from severe conversion disorder, where a person's paralysis or bizarre nervous can't be explained by any physical findings. She suffered from involuntary muscle spasms. Her eyelid muscles had spasms shut leaving her effectively blind. Her digestive system was a mess. She was in constant pain and needed to be carried or use a wheelchair. In May 2016, Alberta's Court of Queen's Bench allowed her an assisted death. Smith took part in another case involving a 45-year-old Vancouver woman who had suffered from anorexia nervosa since she was 17 years old. She'd endured a gauntlet of treatments, he said. Oh my gosh, I'm going to cry and I don't know why. I'm too sensitive. Give me a minute. <clears throat> wow. Don't know where that came from. Had been certified several times under the Mental Health Act. Involuntarily hospitalized and force-fed by a tube in a manner that left her feeling very violated. <sighs> At the time I assessed her, she had virtually no social life. There was absolutely no joy in her life. Smith determined the woman had capacity to agree to an assisted death. While well, most people with anorexia nervosa do recover or eventually find some stability, a minority of those with severe and enduring eating disorders recognize after years of trying that recovery will remain elusive and further treatment seems both futile and harmful to the person. Dr. Jennifer Radani and colleagues write in a controversial paper that sparked an outcry among some of their colleagues for suggesting people with severe enduring anorexia, terminal anorexia, have access to assisted dying. The term terminal anorexia nervosa isn't recognized in the field as even being a thing, Gandhi said in an interview. There are plenty of clinicians and parents who say, how dare you? This could never be a terminal diagnosis. This represents an exceptionally tiny fraction of people. In her paper, she describes three, including Jessica, a brilliant, sensitive, thoughtful, and intuitive 36-year-old woman who had struggled with anorexia since her junior year in high school. She suffered her first hip fracture in 27 years old. Her bones collapsing from malnutrition. She cycled. <sighs> sorry, guys. Jesus, sorry. Ugh, I had this problem, so. Um. Sometimes I still. Anyway, 
She suffered her first hip fracture. Okay. She cycled in and out of treatment and every meaningful bit of weight gain was followed by more restricting, more binge eating and more laxative abuse. Terrified of a long drawn out death from starvation, she sought and received a prescription for me. Guadani was the consulting doctor. The Denver eating disorder specialist said she couldn't imagine Although, that I will download, but with chronic enduring anorexia nervosa, people think that you must continue to force false Keep doing things rather than accept that they have a case that can't be turned around. This case illustrates how the question can be. Offering anorexia nervosa would be complicated beyond belief. That's the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Toronto and former director of the Learning Eating Disorders Program at Toronto General Hospital. Doctors would need an enormous amount of clarity about the criteria. Assessments would need to be done by people deeply experienced in treating this disease who could differentiate between someone who is hopeless and somebody who has made a reasoned decision that their life should end. And those are two different situations, Woodside says. Most people with anorexia nervosa do not want to die. And most people with severe anorexia nervosa do not see themselves at risk of death. The majority of people with bad anorexia nervosa have significant denial about how severe their illness is. Woodside was once involved in a state brain stimulation anorexia. Investigators had hoped to recruit six of this illness and at least three unsuccessful attempts and treatments. In the end, 20 people signed 20 people who were willing to volunteer for experimental neurosurgery in the hope they would have a better life. About a third made a substantial recovery. Another third had some meaningful improvement. For the rest, the brain stimulation didn't touch them. But Woodside has a patient who, after 11 admissions to intensive treatment programs, is now fully recovered. It took her eight or nine years to recover, but she successfully recovered, and she recently had her second baby. Gosh. <laughs> it's not a request they are making in the height of a despaired moment. And worries about the overlap of isolation and poverty. We know there's so much overlap with all sorts of psychosocial suffering. The people who get made when death is foreseeable are seeking autonomy and dignity. They also tend to come from a higher socioeconomic standing. But when you expand it to soul mental illness conditions, the entire demographic shifts. And it's people who have unresolved life suffering. And this fuels their request. A stark gender gap also emerges when made is provided to the imminently dying. It's a 50-50 gender split. As many men as women seek at it, experience in the Netherlands and other countries shows that twice as many women seek and receive made for mental illness. Wow. Whew. 
Why that concerns gain is that it parallels the ratio of suicide attempts. Two to one women to men attempt suicide in the context of mental illness. Most who attempt suicide once don't try again. I've tried like fucking a hundred times. At least. <sighs> and don't subsequently actually take their lives. So the concern is, are we then shifting this transient suicidal suicidality into a permanent death. He believes people should have autonomy to make their own decisions, but with depression, it does affect your outlook on the future. You don't think about the future the same. You see nothing, and there's that hopelessness. When the Ontario Medical Association surveyed members of its psychiatry section last year, only 28% of those who responded said MAID should be permitted for sole mental illness as an underlying condition. Only 12% said they would support it for their own patients. Others argue that mental illness can sometimes be irremediable, the suffering intolerable, and that competent, capable people, which I am, have the right to make their own judgments and decide how much uncertainty they're willing to accept. They reject the arguments around vulnerability and that made is an easier path to suicide. In one study, 21 Dutch people who had a wish for assisted death because of suffering from mental illness said they wanted a dignified end of life. Suicide was perceived as insecure and inhumane for both the patient and others, the authors write. The people saw impulsive suicidality as different from a request for Dr. Hasten death. Suicidality, although sometimes also planned, was perceived as an act out of desperation and crisis, a state of mind in which there is no more room for other thoughts or control over actions. A wish for assisted dying was more well considered. Under Canada's made law, people requesting assisted dying for a medical condition can refuse treatments they don't find acceptable. It's not clear whether the same will hold where mental illness is the sole underlying condition. The law also states that intolerable suffering is wholly subjective, which I could agree with, <laughs> and personal. It's what the person says it is. And like the Netherlands, a doctor does not have to agree. Under those criteria, Canada become, could become the most permissive jurisdiction in the world with respect to MAID and mental illness, according to the Council of Canadian Academies. We don't force people to undergo treatment in order to realize their autonomy, said Tallahassee University's Jocelyn Downey, a professor of law and medicine. We don't compel people with cancer to try chemotherapy. They don't have to have tried any if they want to have made. Because we're basically saying, you don't have to make that choice. Even many would think that it's a real thing. Try these things before you proceed. But we don't work that on you. Treatments. That to me is a red flag about their decision-making capacity, Downey says. It doesn't mean they don't have decision-making capacity, but unreasonable decisions can be warning flags that deeper dive is needed. 
What will psychiatrists in Canada be looking for? A robust eligibility assessment process, Nielsen says, that any request for doctor's set is one of durability and voluntariness, that it's a settled one, free of undue outside influences, that it's not an impulsive wish, it's not making a despaired moment, or at a time when they are vulnerable. Standard treatments have been offered, attempted, and failed, and with no other reasonable alternatives that at least one intended psychiatrist expert with a specific disease be involved in the assessment problem. In many parts of the country, it can be a challenge to find a psychiatrist to treat this, which is 100% true. Like, I can't. It takes freaking years. <laughs> let alone provide an assessment for assisted death. Assessing competence is, in practice, not as big a challenge as some might think, Van Beans. In the Netherlands, 90% of requests don't end in made. Sometimes they are retracted by the patients, but most are denied by psychiatrists. In this study, psychiatrists providing assessments describe being morally conflicted. Many grappled with doubt. Am I being too early? Am I missing something here? You can't be rash and help these people die, says Van Veen of the Amsterdam University Medical Center. But MAID has also started conversations about the limits of psychiatric treatments. Those who do seek MAID in the Netherlands often have decades-long therapeutic histories, severe therapy-resistant disorders that have put them in and out of hospital again and again. The repetitiveness, the waxing and waning of psychiatric, psychiatric suffering. You have some good years, but there's always the fear and danger looming over you of the new mental health crisis, Van Dean says. These are the patients who are very, very unlucky. They're also tired. Treatment fatigue is really something that stands out in this patient group. He does believe it is possible to establish irremediably incurable ability in psychiatry. I think it's very challenging. He and his co-authors plead for retrospective view, meaning look at the person's history of treatments rather than the prospect for improvement. That approach absolves the psychiatrist from the unreasonable task of making highly accurate prognostic claims. They write it moves from this will never get better to everything has been tried. If you're thinking about suicide or are worried about a friend or a loved one, please contact the Canada Suicide Prevention Service at 1-833-456-4566, toll-free, or connect via text at 45645 from 4 p.m. to midnight. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, please call 911. Okay, folks, and that's the article. If you stuck around long enough to hear me blither-blather it, all out to you. I can accept calls now. And we are, I just wanted to discuss this whole assisted suicide thing here in Canada. March 2023, they will be allowing doctor assisted suicide for mental health conditions. Please, somebody call in because, man, my voice is tired from reading all that. Number one. And number two, I fucking am tired of talking to myself. But I am going to go for this. I am applying for this. 
this is something I'm excited about and I am going to apply for doctor assisted suicide because yeah man, I've tried everything I just am tired I'm exhausted I'm just tired and exhausted and the pills cause more harm than good sometimes and I mean I'm not happy I'm just numb I self-medicate that does me a little better even but still want to die at the end of the day most times so what are your thoughts on doctor assisted suicide it says two people are in my room I see no one I don't think anybody's even here hit up my slither come hither my slither call on in my friend my friend's got a girlfriend so what do you think about this? What do you think? What do you think about doctor assisted suicide? I'm going to apply for this because my own suicide attempts have been, well, stopped by people or like, I just suck at killing myself. <laughs> Whatever. It's all good. Please call in and um, my views on it are, man, I think mental illness can be debilitating. And I think that it is wrong to force somebody to live that doesn't want to live. Now, if you can make their lives better, go ahead and do it. Like, But this world doesn't really do much for each other anymore. I mean... Sometimes the pills are worse than the freaking disease themselves. And that's for every disease, including mental health. Mental health is not taken seriously by people. Maybe this is because they don't understand it. Maybe it's because they're afraid of it. Maybe it's because people just don't understand how painful life can be. And how horrible mental illness can be because they've never suffered it themselves who knows um do you know if so call in otherwise i guess i'll just probably end the room at that i don't know mm -hmm. but yeah or just type you know you can type why isn't i keep putting public for people to call in like i don't understand why it's doing that Putting it back on private. That's ridiculous. Keeps doing it though. Redonka donk, my friend. And then it doesn't show me who's in the room. Ugh, I hate it when Colin fucks like that, man. Just really gets my goat, you know? Really gets my goat. Uh huh. So, yeah. I guess that's that. And a bag of chips or some shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Come on, my friends. Oh. Well, that's that.
Um, I'd really like somebody to call in, but you don't have to. I wish I could force you to. <laughs> but I can't even see who's in the room. It doesn't let me see that. It's like beyond me. Um, sometimes this app is glitchy. As glitchy as I am bitchy. Uh-huh. Well, fuck it. Buckets of fuckets. You guys don't want to play? Fine. I want to play. I want to take my ball and go home then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if nobody wants to talk about that, then don't. And this. Don't bother talking to me then. <laughs> don't bother. Oh my god, I've been just... Don't tell me I've been muted this whole time. Oh my god. Oh my god. I just read like a fucking 20 minute article. Don't tell me I've been muted the entire time. Holy fuck buckets, man. <laughs>